0: Hello, I'm Pastor Nathan from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. And in this installment of Walking Our Way Through the Bible, we come to Genesis chapter 30. So let's read the chapter, and then we'll come back and talk about it. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my, my servant Bilhah. Go into her, so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children with her, through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah his wife, and Jacob went in to her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings have I, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Nephtali. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Jacob said, God has given me my wages because I, ha- I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. As soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. And he we pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you've said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs that is the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, spotted, and speckled. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So in chapter 29, we see this growing bitterness and kind of competition between Rachel and Leah. If you remember, Jacob had really loved Rachel. He had worked seven years, said he could marry Rachel, but Leah was the older sister. And so Laban, their father, tricked Jacob into marrying um, Leah first, and then he had to work another seven years to marry Rachel. And now there's this competition between these two sisters that are both married to Jacob. And what happens is, as they get frustrated with their own ability to produce male heirs for Jacob to kind of win his favor— and have basically their side of the family have a greater claim to the inheritance and the household, they start giving him servants as wives. So by the end of chapter 30, Jacob has four wives. He has Rachel and Leah, and then their two maidservants that have been given to him as a wife. And you see this growing bitterness and this competition between the two of them. And you see how this is so strong that it actually distorts how, Leah perceives God and the work of God. In verse 18, after she's been given a son, after laying with, Rachel, with Jacob, in verse 18, it says, Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. Now the verse says before that God listened to her prayers, right? and because of her prayers and his love for her and his grace towards her, he provided her with a son. But Leah looks at this and she says, well, the reason that God gave me this is because I gave Jacob my wife, my sir, maids, ma, uh, my maidservant, as a wife. Now, clearly, that's not the case. Clearly, God has designed a pattern in scripture of one man marrying one wife, them being together forever. And one of the ways that we can tell this is that in every instance in the Bible, when somebody takes on more than one wife, there's always contention, there's always bitterness, there's always destruction within the family. And so, even if in this passage, there's not an explicit condemnation of having more than one wife. The narrative itself lets us know that this is not God's plan, right? That this is not the pattern that you should follow if you want to have a happy, healthy family. Not only is there bitterness and competition between Rachel and Leah, but there's also bitterness and competition between Jacob and Laban, the Jacob's father-in-law. About this time, Jacob's family has grown, right? He has all these wives and all these kids. And he's like, hey, you know, I've been working for you for a long time. It's time for me to head off on my own. I need to receive the wages for the work that I've done. You've seen your flocks, they've prospered. All the work that I've done for you has been sufficient. So I need you to repay me um, so that I can go off and kind of create my own life. And Laban says that he received a vision from God through divination, And it says, if if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it to you. Now, we don't know for sure if Laban is lying about this conversation or vision or whatever he had from God. But what we do know is that he doesn't follow through with it, right? So he says, claim your wages. Jacob knows that there's some bitterness between them. And so he wants to find a way to get paid for his work without creating any opportunity for Laban to somehow accuse him of stealing or taking more than he deserves. So he says, well, let's go through the flock, and I will only take the spotted, speckled, and the black um, lambs and rams. And therefore, you'll be able to know. You can just look at my flock and see, hey, I didn't take any of yours, right? I just took what we agreed upon. And so Laban agrees to this, and then he goes and he hides the spotted, speckled, and black lambs and rams, Said so Jacob, when he goes out to the flock to kind of gather his wages, there's nothing there. Now, Jacob does something that's really weird, right? He takes some branches, some parts of trees, and he kind of strips them so that they're speckled and streaked and stuff. And then as the animals are mating, he puts that in front of them under the belief that it's going to produce from them spotted and speckled and black animals. Now, We'll see this in chapter 31, that the reason Jacob believes this is because God came to him and told him that this is how it was gonna happen, that God was gonna provide his wages through this means. And it's kind of an unusual thing, but when we look at the context of chapter 30 and 31, we see that this was not some early superstition that they had, that if the animal looked at the thing, it would produce offspring similar to that pattern. He's specifically doing this because God has told him to do this, that God's revealed to him that this is how God has chosen to work in this instance. And so as we leave chapter 30 and we move on to 31, the biggest takeaway here is that you look at all the brokenness in this family, right? You look at all the bitterness and the competition between Rachel and Leah and Jacob and Laban. And the fascinating thing is that even in the midst of all that, God is working. Right, Even in the midst of all that, he cares for his people. This is a constant theme that we've seen throughout Genesis. One thing I love about Genesis is that it doesn't sugarcoat things. Right, It doesn't paint these patriarchs and their families in beautiful pictures and make them seem holier than now. But it shows how even in the brokenness in life, God is working. And like I said, this is a repeated theme that happens over and over again in Genesis. But it's an important message it's an important message to constantly revisit because when we look at our own lives, there's a lot of brokenness and bitterness and competition there. But even though we are not always faithful in obeying God's commands and reflecting his heart in the way that we treat other people, God is always faithful. His purposes will always be fulfilled and he is always sovereign. So I hope that this has helped you as you seek to understand Genesis chapter 30 and the rest of the Bible. And I pray that in all things, God's name would be glorified and his will would be done. Thank you.